0: And welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And Guys, we are almost finished with 2020, and we know 2020 is a particularly difficult year for everyone, of course, and so our hearts go out to anyone who has been affected by the challenges that we've all been facing. But we also are gonna keep doing this podcast to help give you tips and ideas of how to keep your real estate business moving forward. And we have big plans for 2021, and we'll be sharing those with you shortly. But as always, please, the best way you can help support our show is by telling a friend. Think of one other real estate agent that could benefit from hearing uh, these interviews with top producers, like the one we're about to share with you from Adam Riddle, who's amazing. And we're going to keep sharing those with you, uh, throughout uh, the upcoming years until we just can't do it anymore, which hopefully will never come. Uh, but we're doing it now. So guys, thanks again. Tell a friend and also find us on Facebook. Please follow us. We're at, uh, facebook.com forward slash keeping it real pod. And, um, we post lots of great articles that we find that are worth reading to help you grow your business. And of course all the episodes we do there. So again, uh, tell a friend, follow us on Facebook, and check out our website if you haven't yet. It's keepingitrealpod.com. If you're you know, uh, somebody who just wants to check out some of our episodes and not download them, you can do that right on our website. And you we can check out everything we've ever done there. And stay in touch too. Please let us know what guests you want to see in 2021. We want to know if you have a top producer, even if you don't know them personally, but you're like, that's the, the man or the woman in my community that's just crushing it. And I'd like to know how they did it. Let us know. We'll reach out to them. We'll convince them. Uh, so guys, keep keep supporting our show. Keep listening. And I hope everyone has a safe, happy, and healthy holiday season. That was a lot of H's. So uh, thanks again. We, we love you and we'll be back in 2021. Thanks. Today on the show, we have Adam Riddle, who is the co-founder and principal of Nexus Commercial Realty in Denver, Colorado. And let me tell you a little bit about Adam. Now, Adam is a skilled negotiator and has been part of over 500 real estate transactions worth in excess of $550 million in the multifamily sector. He has dealt in HUD, NNN, seller carry, as well as many low and no money down deals. He met... Uh, No matter the type of deal or whether it's renovations, investment type or strategic timing, Adam knows what it takes to maximize return on investment for his investors. He is also a proud uh, volunteer for the Denver Active 2030 Children's Foundation. And he is also on the board of the HOPE committees. Uh, Adam is an active runner and loves playing softball, snowboarding, backpacking and hiking, which is apropos for living in Denver. Um, Find Adam at his website, uh, Uh, which is nexus-cr.com. Once again, nexus-cr.com. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Looking forward to it. Yeah, you you actually came recommended from I think uh, several of our listeners and I, I was telling for everyone listening I was telling Adam ahead of time we, we get uh, lots of requests from uh, commercial uh, uh, commercial agents investors um, you know wanting to promote a product or a service um, and really uh, a lot of times we're just not sure what to do with that and so we we, we decided at this time we're like no this this guy's really really exciting and fun um, no pressure of course for you to perform forum for us. But um, I'm really excited because you were like, you're a favorite of our listeners. And so we're like, well, if our listeners tell us to do something, we always do it. But I'm really excited because like even at the company I'm at, which is really a traditional residential firm, we have about 700 realtors. um, The question that we get asked as much as, as really any question is, how do I break into the, the commercial world or the multifamily world? How do I handle investors? And I know we're going to talk about some of that today. So I'm really excited that, that you're here. Um, but I would love to know about, you know, you're in Denver. Uh, how did you get started? You've done 500 plus multifamily deals, but how did you, how did you get into real estate?
1: Um, that's a, a funny story. I, I was living in the mountains, kind of being a ski bum, if you will. That's how I, I made it to Colorado. It's supposed to be for one ski season and ended up being for four, which is also a very common uh, up in the mountain <laughs> sure. communities. Uh, it's pretty easy to, to that, that lifestyle. So uh, when it came time to get a real job, um, fell in love with Colorado. This was where I was going to stay. Kind of came down to the city and I, I, wanted, some, I wanted a career that had a high trajectory and then i could really work work you know work really hard at and, and and be paid off for that and but also it was flexible um so i could go skiing and snowboarding and and and, and take some time off when i wanted to so um real estate was a natural draw commercially it wasn't necessarily commercial real estate or residential real estate um you know i looked at development and doing all sorts of different things and um, I actually answered an ad off Craigslist back when that was a place where you went and looked for jobs sure. for, for a successful commercial real estate team that focused on the multifamily industry and um, responded to that ad and and got a job interview. And um, for whatever reason, they liked me and I got to join, a, uh, luckily got to join a, a pretty good group of people that were pretty successful and got to uh, kind of be under them for a long time and learn learn the ropes that way.
0: Wow. And then when did you make the jump to to found found uh, Nexus and, and start your own thing?
1: So that came three and a half three and a half years ago or so. Uh, so after 10 years at a, at a local shop, and it was a great 10 years, um, we just decided, uh, my business partner and I had also been there for about 10 years, um, decided it was time for a change for us and um, kind of looked at a lot of different avenues and came back to starting our, our own shop. And we're at uh, 22 people went off here in Caro Springs and, um, this year we will do probably about 85 to 95 apartment transactions
0: this year. Wow. That's amazing. Good for yeah. you guys. Yeah. So... So tell us a little bit about the sort of the multifamily market right now. I know here in Chicago, I know about it simply because i'm I'm here with a lot of brokers who are participating in it. but um, are do you are most of the deals that that your team put together? Are they in the Denver area? Are they in Colorado? Are they in other states? like where where do you guys look?
1: Yeah, so we're a we're a small local boutique shop, so we're a little different than maybe some of your national commercial brokerages. Um, in a sense of, we do things, uh, our transaction sizes are anywhere from a duplex to, um, we sold like an 1100 unit portfolio a couple of years wow. ago. So we will do kind of the whole gamut where a lot of the institutional bigger shops will only kind of focus on a higher, the, the more units. Um, so we, we cover the whole front range in doing that. We can go from Fort Collins and Greeley down to kind of Pueblo, which is. I would say 95% of the transactions in our state are going to be in that kind of corridor. Um, and again, we'll do a four unit all the way up to, you know, I think the biggest deal we've closed this year was 128 or 130 unit. So we, we kind of like actually starting out people in the smaller number of units. It's a little easier transaction. It's a little less cutthroat. It's a lot of beginning, uh, investors. So that's where we start a lot of our new people out is in some of the smaller transactions and you kind of learn the business that way.
0: Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. I know probably a lot of our listeners uh, and viewers are probably thinking, okay, I'm a resident, traditional residential agent. Uh, I would love to find those kind of opportunities um, or I have clients that I might want to even just introduce the idea of, of multifamily investing. Um, but a lot of times I think agents oftentimes maybe think the question they 'll ask about how to get started is probably not really the right question, which is how do I find these investors and it 's been my experience, and I want to get your opinion on this that finding the deal is the hard part. finding the investors is actually kind of the easier of the of those two steps Do you, do you agree with that
1: a hundred percent i I can tell you we get we get calls quite often. Uh, from agents, commercial and, and residential. And it's like, Hey, I've got a buyer, send me all of your off-market stuff. It's like, and that's, that's the hard part of this business. And we have a database that we've built out of all the ownership and and emails and cell phone numbers over a long period of time that uh, that's our biggest asset. uh, And and the people that we have calling out of it. So um, and, and usually, you will know somebody that wants either is investing or wants to invest, especially if you're selling single family homes at some point. Um, you will run into somebody that probably already invests or, or would like to get into investing. So finding somebody that um, has the financial capability or the um, the wherewithal to want to invest is is typically not the hard part. It's it's getting them that the the, the properties end or the inventory is, is the challenge.
0: Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Um, I always tell our agents, you know, when they ask, and, and we have we have some uh, programming here at our firm to teach agents a little bit more about investments. But um, but I always say, you know, biggerpockets.com is is a pretty good place if you're uh, if you're brand new to the idea of of multifamily investing, um, or any sort of real estate investing really, but they, they've got a great uh, resource um, you know, to get started and and you know, I don't know what the um, what the multifamily sort of market looks like. You know, there locally for you. Um, do you have a lot of of residents that are doing here in Chicago? It's very popular. What they call house hacking. For our listeners who're not familiar with that is that's where you typically buy you know a three flat, a four flat, and, and you live in one, and then you rent out the others, and it sort of pays for itself. Um, is that is that popular in the Denver area?
1: Um, it's it's popular. It was more popular probably. Seven or eight years ago, I tried to convince my wife to do the same thing, and she she vetoed a few different places. Um, but back in the day, but um, it's it's becoming harder and harder as investments have become more and more popular. That yeah. um, especially back when there was kind of bank owns and short sales, it had to go to an owner occupant first um, in some of those instances. So it gave an opportunity for somebody to come in and buy that that threeplex, that fourplex, and live in one. Now if something's uh, decently priced, it's gonna go come and go so quickly and it's gonna be somebody putting 30, 40% down or, or in some instances paying cash for it. So somebody that's trying to do a owner occupied uh, first time home buyer loan to get into a fourplex, it's just so hard for them to compete um, with the amount of investment money that's, that's flowing in the Denver market right now. So um, it's popular. I, I think what we're seeing more of is People trying to find these neighborhoods that allow uh, the accessory dwelling units. So you can build kind of a, you know, a garage with a, an apartment over it um, right. in the yeah. back. Um, they just rezoned an entire neighborhood in Denver to allow for those. And part of that is trying to solve affordability um, in in a lot of our major cities. And I'm sure Chicago's dealing with the same thing. We're we're, we're dealing with it at a, at a rampant pace and. Um, so I, I see more people kind of looking for that opportunity and maybe I can buy the single family and then add on this garage and in, in one bedroom apartment above it as a, as a way to get some extra income long-term.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense. You know, I I want to go back to this idea of we we were both agreeing that finding the the transaction, finding the deal is the more challenging um, versus finding the investor. Uh, So probably I should have gone to the next logical question is, okay, you know, how do you find the deal? And here's my real first question is what Percentage of the transactions that you're involved in, or what? Est- you know, what would you estimate the percentages of of homes or multi-family homes that go on the MLS versus finding off-market?
1: That's a good question. That's probably the biggest, um, I don't know, secret, if you will, but about the commercial business in general. That a lot of it never hits sure. any website. And, you know the MLSs of the world, or the LoopNet, which kind of the commercial MLS yeah. and, and CoStar, and uh, a lot of it doesn't hit that. Um, it's a little harder when you get into the smaller, the smaller number of units, just because that's such a broad buyer spectrum. And honestly, it's it's better to put that out there to the open market because, um, you know, in advertising that, it's best for the sellers because it may be, you know, a Remax agent has the best buyer willing to pay the most money than than somebody that we have, but. In our world, and, and this may be different for some other brokerages, but um, our stuff is done in-house and/or off-market, probably sixty to sixty-five percent of the time.
0: Wow. Now, without giving away your secret sauce, and I'm certainly not going to ask you to tell us exactly how you find uh, these off-market properties. But do you have any suggestions for listeners that are like, okay, so let's assume a lot of the stuff. If I only have MLS access, uh, and by you know, probably our listeners, most of them don't have CoStar LoopNet access. Um, you know, and a lot of that stuff doesn't hit there anyway. Um, but how might they be going out to? What suggestions would you have for to go out and look for these deals? Obviously, they're going to look on the MLS. Outside of that, do you have any suggestions for for agents that are, want to find you know people who might be looking to sell these kind of investments?
1: Uh, I mean, I think it's basic stuff. It's you know we we pick up the phone a lot. Um, yeah. That's just like old school. We just dial for dollars, if you will. Sure. Um, and that's that's what we do a lot of. You know, we do some some um, mail marketing in general, um, but for the most part, it's it's dialing for dollars and people come back to us repeatedly because we, I can see a deal on MLS and I can see a deal, um, you know, on LoopNet and understand that, Hey, this, this makes sense. And so I think we, we add value for people to continue to try to come back to us. So I would, I would suggest for any, uh, residential agent looking to kind of dabble, if you will, um, just try to educate yourself as much as you can on income producing real estate. So you can add value to that person. So you, so they will say, okay, like this is a good person to work with. Um, and be able to ask the right questions and be able to point to, Hey, you can raise rents over here. Cause this is the, what the neighborhood's charging. And you know, it's, it's a little bit more in depth than, um, than selling residential, not that residential doesn't have its things that I have no idea how to do, I've never sold a house. Um, but it's got, it's, it's a lot more of a math problem. So we, you know, trying to understand that math problem and and what is a down payment for a four unit, what are, what are interest rates and just trying to grasp as much as you can that knowledge going into it. And then if you make that call to somebody like myself, you have an interested client, you just sound more educated. And and that usually means that your client is hopefully ready to go and, and, you know, to be able to answer questions. So we've, we've kind of all been taught over my career of like, these five or six questions and it's, what's the last deal your client bought? Is the money ready to go? Are they in a 1031 exchange? What are they looking for? And if you can't typically answer those five or six kind of basic questions, uh, it sounds like you need to go back and do a little bit more homework on this potential client because if they're that legit, we should have kind of really good knowledge of what they're exactly looking for. Like somebody's just like, They'll buy anything. Eh, that's typically not the case.
0: <laughs> right. <Yeah.
1: laughs> um, it's just, I mean, in Chicago and in Denver. I mean, we they're they're big cities and they have tons of different neighborhoods and pockets and you know ones with higher crime and lower crime and different returns ex- expectations and all of those and. And you know, don't be scared to dive in if you're a residential agent that's really got somebody that wants to buy a property and ask a bunch of questions because the more information you can have on the front end, the higher success rate that you can have
0: yeah we we even get calls here at our firm from uh, investors just randomly who call us or for whatever reason find us, even though that's not really our 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 main specialty as a as a brokerage. but we get this people who call and i 'm sure you get these calls too, which is like i'm looking for a foreclosure. what do you have? you know lots of things like that, and it's like, oh wow, well, if it was I wish it was that easy um i don 't know maybe it maybe it's different in Denver, but I suspect it's not um, you know no.
1: Yeah, well, in May it was like everybody just assumed everything was going to go right back to the bank during the beginning of COVID. And it's like it doesn't work like that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe stuff will, but it's going to take a while to cycle through before before we get to that point. And and honestly, we've actually uh, were discussing last week. I mean, we had dropped, uh, sales dropped a little bit percentage wise. Uh, sales prices maybe two three percent for ninety days, and I think they're. Uh, they're actually above where they were pre-COVID at this point. We're we're already above that, so it's just it's a hyper-competitive market, and um, yeah, it's an interesting and dynamic thing to to be in on a daily basis. Well, there we are.
0: There you are, Adam. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened there. I think uh, our whole our whole office internet just went down for a quick second. I have no idea what happened. Sorry about that.
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: I, I think exactly. you finished right right when you right when it froze, you would just finish the sentence. So I apologize if uh if you kept was, going there.
1: Was my answer that bad that we just stopped right there? I was like,
0: cut the interview. No, no. It was I, I just yelled over to the rest of the team and everyone's like, Yeah, the internet went down for a second. Very strange. Sorry about that. Um okay. no, no, you're doing great. Um but uh yeah, you know it's funny. Speaking of, you know, finding we're talking about finding investors um and then finding properties and Finding properties. My my boss is a multi-family buy and hold investor. He himself has somewhere between thirty and forty uh, properties, um, and he, uh, he, you know, he's done everything from going door to door. You know, he sees a for rent sign, uh, you know, calls the phone number, or maybe knocks on the building. Usually, the owner probably doesn't live there, but he'll ask, "Well, who owns it?" And you know, it's a lot of. Uh, you're right. It's a lot of those those old, um, seemingly outdated techniques that that work because you might have these you know uh Long-time older owners who might still just be throwing the for rent sign in, in the uh, in the window uh, when they need to rent out a unit. It might not be going up on even on Craigslist, right, or or Zillow, or Apartments.com, or any of that. So you do have to be a little bit more creative, I think, to to somehow sometimes find these these opportunities, and then being able to then find the owner is also can be can be challenging. Even if you you know, even if you you know the location, it's, it's not always the easiest thing to, to get in touch with the owner. But, um, but yeah, we always tell our agents that if you, if you find the transaction, you find somebody really willing to sell, you know, the investors will come calling if you can find a good opportunity.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then, it, uh, like I said in the beginning, it's, you'd be shocked, you know, I think as a residential agent, you're definitely, uh, you know, if you're trained good and, and you're a high producing agent, you're asking for referrals from people you're, you're selling and, and helping buy homes, but you probably rarely ask if they own income producing real estate, real estate because that's just right. not your lane um, so just starting to ask that a little bit more too could, could lead to oh yeah I've got this fourplex I was thinking about selling this for this twoplex. and um, you know so I think just retraining your brain a little bit to ask those certain questions when you have the opportunity to do it
0: well, you said something very important that I, I want to touch on. It Really, our, this episode, uh, part of what I w- was bringing Adam on for was as I thought, oh, this will be great because we have so many agents that want to break into the investment space and, and learn how to service those clients. There is something really to be said for, you know, Adam said something earlier that, that probably might have even gone unnoticed. Um, I, I picked up on it because, well, if you were listening, you heard it, but we didn't really talk about it, which is he goes, I've really never sold a home. Same sort of thing that if you're a residential real estate agent, a traditional broker, and you, you know, you want to put in several years to really understand the multifamily market, which you absolutely can do and you can build that skill set over time. But if it was me and I was a traditional broker, I would just want to hand it to you and say, you know, this is what this is your lane to use your words, and this is what you guys do better than I'm going to be able to do it. And then, you know, maybe you work out some sort of referral agreement, and then hopefully, if a transaction comes your way that you don't want, that's more on the traditional home purchase, uh, single family side. That maybe I'm sure you refer those out to agents as well.
1: Yeah, and that's that's always a path to go. I mean, look, if you're if you're uh, running a gun in the residential side and you run across somebody that has that, that um, you know, investment need, um, you know, sometimes it is best to refer it out. And I've written, uh, done some videos and written articles about it. I mean, to me, it's all about adding value. So if a friend of mine came and said, hey, I want to sell my home, I don't add any value to that. I've never <laughs> done an open house. I've, I, I, I don't know how to talk that talks. I don't add any value to, to my friend. Um, so I would say, here's a couple of people that I know good in the space, but it's not me. Yes, right. and at least in Colorado, it's the same license. We have the same exact license here in Colorado, but I don't add any value to that. So I think just understanding if, there's, if you add value to that and if not, finding somebody that hopefully can help you add value. I mean, we get a lot more crossover in multifamily, especially just because sure. we do – the duplexes and fourplexes and sixplexes, and there's a lot of crossover but when you get into office leases and retail i mean those things are very complicated and uh, one paragraph can can really screw somebody um so i would just be careful if if you are a residential agent getting into into some of the commercial stuff that you're uh maybe not maybe doing more harm than you are, are are good for for your client um and just understanding if it's, um, if it's something that you can really help and, 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 you know, there's nothing wrong with trying to learn a new, a, a new facet. I know our shop's happy to pay referral fees and happy to keep people involved at, at whatever length they want to uh, keep involved. And that's a good way to learn. Um, but that's always, always an option as well. And yeah, I've, I've bought and personally sold three homes and I, I've never, never done it myself. Do it yourself. So, no, I don't, I don't want to deal with that.
0: <laughs> well, they, there's there's an old saying to it. It's, it's not totally applicable, but it's, uh, oh, no, you know what I was going to, it's really not applicable. I was going to say it's an old expression that's like, an attorney who represents himself as a fool for a client—that's not exactly apropos to, to what we're talking about, uh, or apt, rather. Uh, but but it, it, it speaks to this point of of working within you know your skill set and and then being willing to. I mean, you, you just said it. You said if if my best friend needed help selling a home, I have people to refer to, um, and that's probably like you said. Are you adding value just by taking the listing? Um, well. Maybe, but probably not, right? Because that's not what your specialty is. And so I, I i'm a I'm a big fan, just like you said, of making you know sending it to somebody who can do a better job than me earning a referral commission, wiping my hands sort of clean at that point, and going back to focus what, what I do best. But that being said, um, this is a skill that that people can develop too, um, but it, it it does take time. And, you know, I think the more you can hang out with other brokers who do investments or, or other just investors in general, um, you know, there's, there's so many meetups, there's so many online, well, now everything's, of course, virtual, um, but there's so many online communities like BiggerPockets and, and Facebook groups and meetups and where a lot of this can you can really start to learn you know the, the lingo the talk how to calculate uh, some of some of the metrics that are used um, and and that's I imagine where where guy, firms like you guys really come in, in handy um, that's your, your secret sauce is the ability to see opportunity and then to present that to your your network of investors
1: yeah for sure I mean and I, I started doing all those things when I started, I, I attended, there's there a local guy that does kind of like learn how to invest and I would go to his luncheons and I would go to different breakfasts and um, just trying to be around people that that were either in the business or trying to get in the business and just learning the lingo and how they talked and, um, you know, I think to your point, it's, it, takes, it takes a while to get everything down. It's not something you can do. Kind of one deal or one transaction and kind of understand the business but if it's something that somebody wants to develop that skill set um, you got to put the time and the effort into it but it's not it's not rocket science um, but it does take some time
0: well, it's, it's interesting. I wanted to ask you about multifamily. Um, you had written this. We, we always do a pre interview ahead of time. And uh, Adam had, had written something that I thought was kind of interesting, which was, and it's something I just, again, I'm not a multifamily investor myself. So I, I really just wouldn't have thought of this. But he had mentioned that, um, and I'm curious how often this happens, where uh, a, a multifamily property has been passed from generation to generation. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, whoever owns it at the moment might might be saying, "Hey, this isn't really what I want to be doing. I don't know that I want to manage and deal with with these renters, or or maybe I don't even live in the area, but I'm I inherited this from my father or mother or whoever." Um, is, does that happen quite a bit? Is that is that common where you see people who are inheriting these properties and then sort of not sure what they want to do with it?
1: Yeah, it's um, in in most tax. Uh, reasons, and I'm not a CPA, obviously, but you get a stepped up basis uh, upon um, getting the property passed to you. So a lot of people, that's the way way they avoid taxes. They just wait till they pass away and then it goes to the next generation. Uh, Oftentimes, if it's not done properly and not set up great, it turns into more of a a fiasco than it does because one sibling wants to do this and one wants to hold on to it and one thinks the rent should be $1,000 when they're at $600 and it just turns into more infighting than anything. Um, and so it's a bit of a challenge. It's a bit of a challenge to try to deal with all the different personalities that you're dealing with. Um, and a lot of times it does end up being a sale just cause that's the easiest way to make everybody whole and everybody go do what they want with their money. Um, so we definitely do see it. It's a, uh, and it's more, it's usually more, more intricate because there's usually multiple attorneys involved and again you have they're usually at that point because they can't agree on what to do with the asset or assets that they've been uh, inherited um so there's usually some some hard feelings and uh some different things going on that uh that just add layers of complexities to it and uh you know you just got to be patient and uh, try to make everybody as happy as you can throughout the process but um, yeah, it's a it's an interesting interesting thing that you know I wouldn't say is rampant, but is uh, you know we see it a few times a year. And, um, it's uh, always a always a fun transaction.
0: Yeah, well, it's funny because a lot of agents, I think, when they transition, if they transition from residential to well, it really does, but traditional single family to multi-family, they're like, I'm tired of dealing with the drama of the single family. Uh, it, it's too emotional. It's too difficult. I just want to deal with level-headed investors. And, uh, and of course, that's probably a lot of times what happens, but you know, the person selling the property might have uh, all sorts of emotional uh, challenges around it, whether it's, you know, family and fighting, uh, because you're right, a probably a lot of these properties are handed down uh, for, to, for tax purposes. Um, and um, yeah, and, and so just if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about um, on the multifamily side. Um, you know, a, a lot of agents listening also oftentimes want to get into multifamily because they also want to get into property management, right? They say, you know, that's another way I can build a recurring stream of, of income. Um, it, you know, I don't know if your firm is, does a lot of property management um, or if you guys outsource that. Um, but uh, can you talk a little bit about property management and that opportunity?
1: Sure. So um, look, let me hit on something you, you said, like the non-emotions, you need to get a, a step above what we do is more institutional to get non-emotional. Ours sure. is still ours is still emotional. There's still they're still uh, you know, I, I would like to say it's a little less emotional than uh, residential real estate, but it definitely still has heightened emotions because you are dealing with individuals and it's a lot of times their own money. Um, and it's it's a big chunk of money and yeah, you know, it's a it's a big purchase. So, yeah. Uh, so it is uh, when you get up to the next the next level, um, you know those that's playing with other people's money, and it's it's very much a math problem, and, and um, it's it's a little less emotional. But um, so property management, we do not do personally do property management uh, in house. Um, just a business decision we made when we started our company. Um, I think it's a good way to learn the business when I was starting out some of the first uh, few deals that I personally invested in with some partners, I ended up, I ended up managing. So I understand what it's like to get a call in the middle of the night for yeah. a week and um, cleaning the boiler rooms and the heat going out uh, inevitably on a, on a holiday. Cause that's when it always goes out. Sure. Um, so it helped me learn the business that much better, um, by managing some, you know, I think I had a four unit, a couple of four units and a seven unit at one point. Um, and I was the leasing agent. You know, I didn't do the repairs, but I got the calls to get to 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 make the repairs. And um, so I think it's a good way to learn the business, especially if it's somebody that's trying to continue to understand it. Um, and I think it's a good way to continue to broaden the broaden the spectrum. And it's a it's a value add if you have somebody that's kind of a first time investor. Hey, I'll go help you find this property, and I can help you manage it. Um, I know Colorado has been cracking down very much on, on management and, and, you know, you gotta have your ducks in a row and make sure your paperwork is, is very in line. If you're going to do third party, because they've had some, some uh, instances of, uh, some fraud in the last couple of years in the property management world here, in, at least in Colorado. So they're, they're cracking down pretty hard to make sure if you're doing third, par- third party property management, you're not commingling funds and doing things of that nature. So.
0: Yeah, it's an it's an interesting uh, choice. Um, to, it's an interesting choice when somebody a, a realtor is working with a with a buyer to determine like, okay, they're they're purchasing this multifamily property. Um, you know, do I want do I want those two a.m. phone calls, or you know, saying the boilers out, or or am I you know am I happy Passing that off to another management company and still earning some sort of referral commission, if if that's even possible, uh, where where somebody um, uh, practices, and then the other the other op, uh, optional revenue stream is is in rentals, right? So so if. You know the agent. Um, there's a lot of revenue opportunities. It's really a matter of of you know what what do you want to spend your time doing? Um, and I think that's a really cool thing about investments is is you you're, you're going to have uh, you know renters that come and go. Those are opportunities for for the agent if they decide they want to help. You know secure the tenant. Um, obviously, property management opportunities there or just I just you know I want to pass that off to other people and just look for look for the deals and and connect buyers to uh, to sellers.
1: Yeah, I mean the the those are all great points. I mean, you, I, we have definitely seen people that manage smaller properties in, in good neighborhoods. The the natural progression of a lot of those tenants is to a house their first time yeah. homebuyers. Um, and you know, hopefully, if you've treated them well and and um, been a been a good manager for them, and you've asked the right questions and let them know. If you ever you know ever get to that point, I'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You might be able to by managing some smaller uh, apartment assets, you might be able to pull out um, a, a few uh, clients out of that as well. So there's, there is a lot of different ways you can skin the cat to your point. It's where do you want to put the most time and effort? Cause it all, you know, if I was to do residential, I'd have to redo a business plan, but I'm going to go all in and I'm, I'm going to figure out how I, how I can be successful in that. Um, so kind of got to pick, pick what you want to do and where you want to put your time and effort and, um, you know, I think uh, you can be successful in real estate. It's, a, it's an amazing income and wealth generating business to be in.
0: It really is. And there's just so many opportunities and you get to choose what you like to do. And your firm is obviously hyper-focused and, and so many firms try to do everything as you know, and it's that old expression and it doesn't mean they other firms can't be successful doing lots of different things, but that whole jack of all trades, master of none, is is. I've certainly found that to be true in, in my own life, and and even here at our business is, uh, you know, we don't we don't step outside of uh, of our sort of narrow focus of, of what we can support for our agents, um, because if if an agent says, oh, by the way, I've got a seventy five million dollar commercial development deal, we're like, please take that somewhere else, because we have no idea how to do that, um, but. If it's uh, you know any, anything on the residential side, we're good. Even if it's multifamily, but but that's that's a really important. I think is is to you know explore and learn uh, for our listeners and viewers. You know this is a great opportunity. You know join bigger pockets, go to some of these these meetups virtually, and and learn about investments in multifamily. You multifamily is so closely connected to single family. It really is a, about a half step difference. It's a lot more complicated for sure, and there's a lot to learn. But boy, the people behind those single families are, are or, or rather the people buying the multi-families also have single families probably uh, as well so these are you know this is an opportunity that you can if, if you take a couple of years to really sort of learn you can then bring this to your your everyone you've sold a home to it's like hey have you th- ever thought about house hacking oh you're not familiar with that let me talk to you about that here are some opportunities that i've that i've found if you're interested you know kind of thing Or even better, you know, just hand it off to someone like Adam, who already has the database of investors, who who already has you know properties, um, and this is all he lives, eats, and breathes. And in fact, we we should mention this because we have listeners from all over the country. Um, We have you know about twenty thousand people uh, every episode listen to our show um, from from places like Denver, of course, and everywhere else. But if there is anyone out there who's an agent who might want to refer business to you, or who's an investor or, or a property owner who might be looking for a firm to help them with these multifamily investments. Um, we'd love to, you know, make sure that, that your information is out there. But um, how should somebody, if they want to reach out to Nexus and you, um, how should they reach out?
1: Um, I mean, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Love to connect on LinkedIn, chat on there. My um, email um, A R-I-D-D-L-E at Nexus, N-E-X-U-S tr.com is my email, um, or my all my contact information is on our website. I love to talk. I love to talk business. It doesn't even have to be about multifamily. Um, so happy to chat. Happy to um, give you my uh, my two cents on certain things. I meet with a lot of people trying to get in the business and trying to find their way um, in the in this vast um, world of commercial real estate. It's it's kind of it seems like it's very, uh, very hard and, and non attainable sometimes to break into it um, from the outside, but it's more about networking and getting to know a few people, and um, that goes a long way.
0: Yeah, boy, I couldn't agree more. What what a great place to wrap up. So, so everyone who's, who's listening, uh, who is interested in, in getting more information about this, you know, start to start that educational process and, and, you know, call, call someone up who, who is in your local area, who does what Adam does. And if you're in the Colorado area and you, you think, you know, you might have some opportunities for Adam, or you just want to, you know, get some advice, um, you know, let's, let's reach out. Um, but adam uh it is it is thanksgiving week so i am going to let you enjoy your thanksgiving week with your with with your uh, your loved ones um and of course uh for everyone listening we hope uh you know, hopefully you're able to, to spend some time with, with people you love, whether it's virtually or uh, or in person, if you're lucky enough to be able to do that this year. Um, and I hope everyone, of course, is staying safe. But on behalf of our listeners and our viewers, we want to thank Adam Riddle uh, from Nexus for being on our show. Uh, this was awesome and really, really helpful to to our listeners. So on, on behalf of them, we say thank you uh, to Adam. And Adam, on behalf, of, uh, on behalf of Adam and myself, we want to thank all of our listeners and viewers as well for continuing to support our show. We just ask everyone to do two quick things uh, before before uh, the, uh, before the they get on to our next episode, which is tell a friend. Think of one other agent that could benefit from hearing this this interview with Adam uh, and pass the, uh, a link over to our website, which is keepingitrealpod.com. Or if they're a podcast listener, just have them pull up any podcast app, search for Keeping It Real. We'll pop right up. Um, and the second thing is to follow us on Facebook. Um, so Adam's big on LinkedIn. We are much bigger on Facebook. We are also on LinkedIn as well um, so if you go to our website you'll see the links there but on Facebook uh, the address is facebook.com forward slash keeping it real pod and the main reason to go there well there's two main reasons one we uh, we post these interviews as we're recording them live uh, right there on our Facebook groups so you can actually watch them you don't have to wait for us to produce them um, and also every day we find an article that was written specifically to help agents grow their business and we post a link to it that's all we post there and we post like one joke a day that's literally all we do so if you're looking for good information about how to grow your business and you want to see our interviews in real time, that's the place to do it. Adam, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, You came highly recommended. It did not disappoint. uh, And we really appreciate it. So uh, thank you so much. And um, we'll see everyone next time. Thanks, Adam.
1: Thank you.